tried to define the perfect foot. Right, these are tools, damn it. It's like screwdriver. How many pair of athletic shoes do you think you own, Howard? About 12. <laughs> Break them down. What, what are they, all running shoes, hiking shoes? I don't know. How do they split up? So, so as you know, I enjoy running trails, and trails here are wickedly different than yours. So yeah. I have those for muddy trails with deep teeth. I have those with really soft rubber for... Uh, rocks and granite. I have higher controlled shoes. I have more cushioned shoes. I have minimalist shoes for the road, shoes for short runs and long runs. <laughs> it's nuts. It starts to sound like a golf bag. I have a pitching wedge. I have a sand wedge. I have a four iron. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's really insane. I, I, I actually get embarrassed when I look in that corner of my closet. My kids make fun of me because... My my wife has a lot of shoes, and I always make jokes about all these shoes. And my kids pointed out that I actually had an entire rack in the garage, four levels high, just of my shoes. And I was like, oh, crap. Well, that's not the same. Those are all really useful. <laughs> it's completely different. I so try I'm, to I'm... use the excuse that, well, I'm using them to exercise. So it's uh -huh. different than your boots that are worn once and go to the back of the closet. Right. These are tools, damn it. <laughs> it's like screwdrivers. So I'm the same. I'm roughly a dozen pair of shoes, although mine are more eclectic. I have like, I think, six or seven pair of running shoes, mostly similar to your setup, minimalist stuff, more control stuff, higher drop, lower drop. We don't have a lot of wet conditions, so I don't even have anything too much for that. But I have things that are more oriented towards longer runs, shorter runs. And then I have uh, a Two, one, two, three, three pair of cycling shoes, one pair of road, two pair of mountain bike. It's just madness. And then a pair of climbing shoes, because once in a while I'm out on some rocks somewhere. We have a lot of running shoes, which makes us domain experts. There are interface to the world. We have a graphical user interface on your computer while your interface to the world, for the most part, as you're just moving around on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't walk on our hands very often, uh, assuming you don't have a problem with your lower limbs, you're on your feet, and the thing that connects them to the ground is shoes. I think shoes do protect our feet. I'm a fan of evolution, so I can't necessarily give you a great explanation as to why else we have them other than fashion. However, <laughs> saving ourselves from cutting or burning ourselves is a good thing. There's a series of books and articles about this, but the, being persistence hunters, hunters who were, we weren't faster than anything else. We could just keep going longer. And so we wore our prey out. And that one of the possible advantages to having shod feet was that we could go across more terrain, sharper rocks, hotter stuff, whatever else. And so to the extent that you adopted shoes, maybe that had an advantage. This is all, we have no videotape, so this is all speculative, <laughs> but you could at least imagine it's possible. But your point is that, Evolutionarily speaking, shoes are not, they're not required. This is not something we needed to have. This isn't about modesty or anything else, but you can take it further. They're actually potentially bad for us in many ways.
let's talk about what goes wrong. For a long time, I was just terrible at buying shoes. And I think most people are in terms of running shoes. I've been talked into buying the wrong shoe. I find that to be a big problem instead of buying the shoe that simply feels best. Or, of course, if, look, we all have our favorite colors, our favorite shapes, our favorite patterns. And yeah. we see something on this wall of uh, 150 shoes and it draws our attention to it. And then you get into this pattern of now I've got to justify it to myself. I've spent $140 on this pair of shoes. Damn it. I am going to like them. And that tends not to work out so well because your foot's not really that interested in how much you spent on this shoe. Your foot's more interested in whether or not it's cutting off circulation or causing cramps or whatever else. The mistake that I used to make the most was I consistently bought too small and I remember people telling me this, that I needed to have a finger or maybe a thumb's width in front of your big toe on your longest foot. And I didn't believe it. I thought that was too much room. Like you could put a squirrel in there. I don't, I don't need all that extra space. What's it there for? And you know what changed it? It was probably four or five years ago. I kicked a rock harder than I have ever kicked a rock in my life to the point that I literally thought I shattered the big toe in my left foot into a thousand pieces, just fragments only left. And I realized, you know what? It's not such a bad idea to have a bit of space in front of, if I'm not going to run in steel-toed shoes, I better think about having a little bit of space in front. It's not such a good idea to have toe, thin rubber, velocity, kinetic energy, large rock. <laughs> right? You need a buffer. I, I think it's also people don't realize their feet swell, they splay, and runners actually need a larger size than their regular shoes. It's absolutely true. I, there are other changes in the foot. It's not just this anatomically correct and the influence of these constricting shoes. The foot itself changes over time. I used to be a 10 and a half, 11. I have one pair of those ancient shoes lying around that I used to wear for gardening because they're just beaten up runners. I can't even put them on anymore. <laughs> I was thinking, what the hell? How is this even possible? My foot hasn't gotten fat. It's that your, your foot changes over time. And it can be as much as not just a half size. It could be a full size, a size and a half. Yeah, I've gone from a 10 and a half, 11 to a 12 as well. And for shoes that run small, a 12 and a half. Incredible. And, and the reason for that, it, it's not that your foot's gotten fat. Let's, let's take that out of here. The cause is... <laughs> or maybe your foot has gotten fat. I don't know, but I'm just going to say that it's not the normal cause, right? It's it. No, your foot will splay with time. Your foot will change. If you do develop a bunion or another deformity, it's going to widen. Your arch can collapse a little. Uh, it's going to change the size of your shoe. It's going to thrust your big toe, toe forward a little. So your foot anatomy is going to change. Yeah. And we've, we've all run into this where you've got a favorite shoe and the idiot manufacturer updates it and changes the last size, the size inside the shoe. And the, the shoe that fits you last year, the new model doesn't fit anymore. But that's it. So the cause can be that your feet are getting longer or get longer over time. But it can also just be that a brand or a shoe that you used to like has actually changed sizes from year to year. And that's where online reviews and things can help you see if you're the only one because people just lose their minds when that happens. I hate when they do that. And funny story is I had run in Brooks for a long time and I love this one pattern and they had a history of changing it. So I bought like five pairs and then I decided to go to a minimalist shoe. So I still have three of those five 
sitting in my closet somewhere. <laughs> oh, I've, I've actually had to hunt down old brands of shoes where they've updated twice, and I keep hoping they'll go back to something that was like the one that I used to like. And I had to go back and pay absolutely larcenous prices on eBay for a shoe that's now three model years back because well, that funny. was the one that I like. <laughs> the other ones that I think I've done is buy too infrequently. I have a pair of shoes you really like. And I'll realize I've re I've been running on them for like six, seven, eight hundred miles. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what? These aren't shoes anymore. They're completely compressed. I might as well be running on my hands or something, right? These have got nothing, no treads. The other mistake, as it is a twinned one, is that people use the wrong shoes for the wrong thing. I'm notorious for showing up at the, playing tennis with my kids, and I'll show up in a pair of trail runners. This is a really bad idea for all of you tennis players out there. Don't be doing that. It turns out that having tennis shoes is a really good idea when you're playing tennis because trail shoes just don't grip very well on those courts, and you'll end up on your ass faster than you can imagine. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's it often comes down to the right rubber. The right rubber and the right pattern, I think, is important for certain sports, especially with turfs, hard shoe, etc. You want to be able to slide sometimes, and sometimes you want that grip. Running shoes used to be fairly simple. It was running shoes versus things that weren't running shoes. It's completely changed. Not only there's shoes for every sport and shoes for every foot type, wide, narrow, length, high arch, low arch, whatever else, control shoes. There's also minimalist shoes we've alluded to. We haven't said it yet, so I'll say it. There's maximalist shoes. <laughs> there's, there's more anatomically accurate shoes that are more foot-shaped and give you a larger toe box. Then you get into things like stack height and drop and sole composition. It's madness. Right. It's, it's really confusing. And if you're buying a shoe and a salesman is talking to you... This is the end of the free public preview of the Simpla Vita podcast. For the full podcast, including a transcript and show notes, you can upgrade at simplavita.com. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. We will not respond to requests for medical advice.